following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. College football bowl home stretch edition. With my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my right, Brad Powers. To my left, Steve Fezzik. I'm R.J. Bell. Unfortunately... Ken Thompson down with the flu. He missed his radio show, his Vegas radio show. I think he said first time in four years. So take it seriously when Ken misses out. But luckily, we got all of his likes and best bets written up. So I'll be sharing those with you on every one of the games. And these are the biggest bowl games of the 2017 season, all the way up through the playoff semifinals starting with the games on December 29th. So that will be the last games. We do these in reverse chronological order. So that way, if you're listening after the 29th, you can stop whenever you get to the day that's already passed. And we're going to be starting then with the playoff games. And after that, we're going to have a rare triple like two double likes Pros versus Joes. And for the first time ever, best bet from Fez and Brad on the same game. One is on the side. One is on the total. First, though, the playoffs. We're going to take our time with these games. And the second playoff game, by the way, the Alabama Clemson, the second one we're going to go over, is actually a crossfire between the boys. First, though, Georgia, Oklahoma. Georgia favored by Two and a half, two and a half in this game. Brad, leaner like. I like Oklahoma in this one. And to me, just pure power ratings, I think Oklahoma's superior team. I think the opening line was more right. Oklahoma favored by one. I have the massive experience edge with Oklahoma here, particularly at the most important position, quarterback. Four years starting in Baker Mayfield. The Heisman is not necessarily a negative like it's been in the past. It's actually been a positive. Eight and two straight up, six and four against the spread is the Heisman Trophy winners in their postseason action. And also, you got a true freshman quarterback in Jake Fromm that hasn't been asked to do much this year. Now on the big stage, I think it's a negative. I like the Oklahoma Sooners. You mentioned, so there was a time the Heisman Trophy uh, was a negative in the bowl games? Yeah, it was a negative for all throughout the 90s and early part of the 2000s where the system was you want to play against the Heisman Trophy winner. And the thinking behind it was, you know, they're getting they're getting fat and happy on the banquet circuit. They got to do a couple of award shows and they're doing all that instead of prepping. My thinking is millennials are different. They're used to the extra attention. So them getting an award isn't that big of a deal because they're getting all that attention throughout the course of the season when it comes to media, social media. That's why eight and two straight up and six and four against the spread the last 10 instances. I think that's a, you know, a trend as far as it being a negative is obsolete. Okay. I want to dig into this game, but let's get Fez's first thoughts. Lean or like lean to Georgia opposite Brad here. All things being equal. I will always tend to try to look to the better defense than the better offense. And that Georgia defense, now when is that all bowl games? That's pretty much all 
championship type games in the NFL and in college football. So not bowl games, but rather playoff games. Correct. Yes. And I really think that the offense, the public loves offense. So they tend to bet it more than defensive teams. Now this is the exception where the money has actually come in on Georgia, probably because they're in the sec and that's the brand name conference. But I tell you, I've been on this Georgia team many times this year. This is an awesome team in terms of consistency. They played one bad game all year long, the game at Auburn. They got the revenge and blew out Auburn on a neutral site. They won at Notre Dame. Every other game, they won by 14 plus, and they played in some tough venues. They played at... So what was the second? Let's uh, set aside the Auburn game. Let's set aside the Notre Dame game. What Rank for me the tough toughest games probably at Georgia tech. They won by about 30 points. No, so. no, no. I, I didn't ask, did they overperform? I'm asking how tough their schedule was. So at Georgia tech is where's Georgia tech in your power ratings, Brent? Uh, not in the top 30, probably closer to 40. Interesting. So <laughs> they split against Auburn. They beat Notre Dame. Now how's that win? Um, aging. Yeah, at South Bend, it's still a very quality win. When they oh, had 40,000 fans in the stands? Certainly a quality win. Yeah. But where's Notre Dame right now in your power ratings? Uh, dropping fast. I mean, barely in the top 15. All right. So you split against a, a very good Auburn team. Well, I guess we can say that. Uh, I guess we'll see to some degree how Alabama plays. I'm I'm not convinced on Alabama. I mean, obviously Alabama's a top six or seven or eight team. I'm just wondering, are they the best team? And I know Brad thinks they are, and we'll get into that. Um, but okay, so Auburn beat Bama. Other than that win and the Georgia win, which again, when they're beating each other, it's like, well, if neither are good, they're going to split at some point. And when I say neither are good, I mean they're good teams. Are they top four? Is the question. So, but, uh, so it's, it's Notre Dame number 15 out of the top 30 Georgia. And by the way, that Notre Dame game was a, a late field goal, right? Yeah. Could have gone either way. So coin flip against the number 15 team split against Auburn. And now it's Georgia tech is now well, they crushed South Carolina, Missouri, and Mississippi state. Those are all like 35, 40th best teams and the margin of victory, the ease of the wins is why I have them power rated so high. And and that's a, a different way to look at it, a, a valid way. Where right now, Brad, what is your top? Uh, let's go top six. Read me your top six. Alabama's one. Clemson is two. Oklahoma is three. So I think they should be favored over Georgia. Georgia's four. Ohio State is five, and I have Penn State at six. Okay, so. Georgia, you think, is a couple notches below Oklahoma. Fez, how much of this is, because with Georgia favored by two and a half, you must think they're clearly the better team, or you might must think there's a huge matchup advantage here. Yeah, the matchup advantage is that I think that their defense will be able to step up and contain Mayfield. Now, and- so who, what's the best quarterback? Like, what's the best offense amongst that murderer's row that you just rattled off that like, let's say it's Baker May- at the end of the year will be Baker Mayfield will be number one. And then who's the second best quarterback? Oh, Auburn twice. And they have a top, I think top seven quarterback, top seven. No, Jared, no? I, I, and I'm a guy that bet Jared sit him to win the Heisman. I wouldn't put him in the top 10. All right. But, but a good quarterback yeah, a good one. and, and how many points did they give up against? I mean, 
because let's agree here and you love to do this when it's convenient. Maybe you just forget randomly is Auburn. How would you consider the spot Auburn was in against George in the SEC title game? Very bad. So usually you just dismiss that game if it was convenient. Well, right? but but, it, but the first the first matchup was very bad for Georgia. They both had really good spots. All right. So and so what I don't recall why was that so bad for Georgia? They were a road favorite of three and a half in that game, if I remember. They had just become the number one ranked team in the country. So that's bad. Yes. So they really? were they were reading their press clippings. They'd come off a fourteen so you thought point they win took, to South Carolina. And so you figure they just figured, hey, it's going to be easy to go into Auburn and win. They, so we might as well not try so hard. They were not up. Like to let's the not game waste like the energy. Was. We've got to save <laughs> our. You were thinking they were saving their energy. It was the old Georgia was at a ten and Auburn was at a twelve emotional level. Okay, so it wasn't so much Georgia was in a bad spot. It was Auburn played hard. That's what put. George in the bad spot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and how, what was the, I, I actually don't recall. What was the final of that game? Uh, 41, 17. I do believe 40 to 17. Okay. So Georgia's defense held the number 10 quarterback till 40. And now we've got Mayfield, but you think the D is ready. Well, they were ready the second time they played this team. Except it was a horrible spot when they didn't have any running backs. Yeah, that's the only game all year that their D gave up any kind of appreciable points. They held and it was Notre the only Dame. time they played anyone any good. Uh, Notre Dame was very good. On, on offense, passing? Notre Dame, line of scrimmage-wise, was, was <laughs> well, very, I mean, that, that's, that's a well, very we don't fine expect, defensive We don't expect Notre Dame to, to, to out-muscle an SEC team on the line, do we? Uh, so, I, I mean, Georgia is obviously a good team. I mean, I'll be honest. This is one of the strangest lines I've seen. If I, what I always tell people on the radio is I say, move the line two points one way. And could you make the case and move the line two points the other way? And can you make the case? And if one case is easy to make and the, or you, it, it, it's not necessarily easy, but you could still make it. And the other one's like, oh, that seems crazy. So let's do that exercise. Georgia favored by four and a half. Mm. Crazy. <laughs> All right. Oh. This game, I pick them. Certainly justifiable, <laughs> yeah. but it's a little ah. unfair to use the two points moving through the three and the four here, RJ. <laughs> but, but I'll be honest. It, I think Georgia minus, or I'm sorry, Oklahoma minus two and a half makes more sense. I mean, to say Oklahoma is a little bit better, but not a field goal better than Georgia. I thought they, uh, that's what your power ratings say, right? My power ratings say uh, Oklahoma should be favored by one, one and a half here. You know, Brad, let me ask you, because I really didn't watch this game. The Iowa State Oklahoma game. What happened to Oklahoma in that game? Oklahoma was up a couple of touchdowns and basically let their foot off the gas pedal. And we're just surprised that Iowa. So State which, was, which is the team that doesn't have a loss this year? They both have they both. losses. I'm, t I'm saying, is there any yeah. of the playoff? Team? So we can always put, so yeah. we, we can always point at the loss, right? Is, is that what you're doing is saying, well, how do we explain if Oklahoma is any good? How do we explain the Iowa State game? Well, how do we explain a lot of games? Right. Fair enough. I mean, it, it, it strikes me that this idea that anyone's perfect, we know they're not. And I don't really know if there's any great virtue. I mean, this gets back to the Ohio State discussion. I don't know if there's any great virtue in losing to a good team versus losing to a bad team. Now, if you also beat another good team, like I, I, I asked this question with Ohio State. If Ohio State had beat Iowa but lost to Penn State, 
Would you think more or less of Ohio State? I, I would think more of them. Yeah. See, I, I think less of them. And the reason being is just because of how they lost to Iowa. Well, but no, but that's that's a different story. And and if anything, the how they lost to Iowa reinforce. I mean, if you have a data point that is just crazy extreme, and then you've got 12 or 13 other games in which there's nothing like that, right? And then you think about, like, which is the truth? I mean, if we find out somehow, some way that that Urban Meyer's mother thought she had cancer that night or, you know, again, you shouldn't even talk like that because it's an individual. But some amazingly uh, distracting thing or if we found out that four players had the flu, but he told people not to mention it after. It's like when you have a crazy result like that, I, I to me, I, I look at it and almost toss it out because it's like it's so different. How do we take it seriously? Now, obviously, you don't toss it out if you're the playoff committee. I'm just saying when I assess how good a team is, what would you make the line right now if Ohio State played Iowa, Brett? Uh, same venue at Iowa? Uh, yes. 17. And it was what, 20 for the game? It got bet up from like 16 up to 2021. 20, so it's like, what does that game tell us then? Yeah. And speaking of Ohio, but 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 let's quickly, because I think it's an interesting point. Let's go back to that idea about if a team loses to, if a team gets upset badly, then I think you can point at it and say, okay, bad coaching because the team wasn't prepared or lack of motivation or flat spot or whatever. Okay. But when you get to the playoffs, you're you're not going to expect anything like that. So I'd much rather see a team beat the good team and have a flat spot than not beat the good team. Because let's agree to the following. And it segues, Fez, to your point about Georgia's margin against some of these teams. There's some teams that can get margin against teams they're clearly better than that can't beat teams that they're competitive with. And I'd much rather see a team that doesn't blow out teams as, as much, but in those tough games, they win those games. But unfortunately for Georgia, there's only been two tough games. Three tough games. We're going, we're, we're calling Notre Dame tough. All right, fine. Come on on the road at a top 15. That's a tough game. All right, fair enough. And you win in a coin flip. So you you go two and one in tough games. Now you look at Oklahoma. I mean, how good is TCU? I mean, where do you got TCU right now? TCU is right around like 15th in the country. Played them twice. Dominated them, them, right? Killed them both times. And Okie State. I mean, can we even yeah, compare top, top 15 team? Can we even compare this schedule? Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, that's by far the best win on the road. I mean, by <laughs> the double best digits. win in the country. Yeah, I, I agree. So, like, I, I don't understand. I mean, is this just the SEC's getting bad? And there's that feeling like big, almost like Stoops is still there. And yeah, the, the he'll navigate the Big 12, but, 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 but in the big, you know, bright lights, they melt. Is the, that what's driving this? The only the thing I can think of is SEC bias, Oklahoma performing bad under Bob Stoops in big games. That's it. And Georgia has had only the one hiccup. They have a model of consistency in terms of, yes, they played a bunch of top 40 teams, not top 20 teams, but they're killing every team and they're doing it on the line of scrimmage. There's nothing fluky at all about it. They're just absolutely 
um, steamrolling each and every team without any flat spot at all, except for the one Auburn game, which, like I said, I consider to be largely predictable. Yeah, because they were number one. So obviously they got to lose. I mean, they've had one close <laughs> game. I mean, the line says it's going to be a close game, correct? They've had one close game all year, the Notre Dame game. Yes. And that's where I think the experience edge at the quarterback spot, a four-year guy like Baker Mayfield versus a true freshman is, you know, I, I would say that's why it's the number one factor for me. How is a true freshman on the biggest stage going to react? I don't know. Well, now he's, he's becoming a sophomore. I can mm-hmm. make the case that when they went to Notre Dame and, that's, and he has to start completely green, that's the game they should have been in deep trouble. Well, hmm. I got to be honest with you. Th- this feels like a real best bet here. Where, where do we think the line goes? Oh, man. Uh, I-, I think it stays right where it's at. I can't imagine it going to three. I think it stays. Okay. And Lincoln Riley, obviously a wonder kid, but also inexperienced at this level. Um, a lot of the staff from from uh, Bob Stoop stayed, right? So a lot of experience there. Uh, you know, Stoop still lives in um, uh, at OU. So I, my guess is they've had a few meetings on mm-hmm. this, you know, how to play in the playoffs. Where do you, how do you rank the, well, not so much coach against coach. You can do that, but is Riley a positive, a neutral or a negative here? I think he's a neutral. I'm not thinking that badly of him because I think he is going to be a future superstar. I'm not thinking that positive because I don't have those data points. Although I'll say this, boy, in his first big time spot on the road against Urban Meyer, boy, he didn't look outclassed in that one. No, I mean, he feels like he's analogous to McVay, mm-hmm. where you've got a guy that, that grew up living this and they approach it in such an intellectual way. And, and just with technology today, the ability to have, you know, it's not looking in, in the film room, watching those old you know, 24 frames a second film, but rather it's a situation where they are, uh, you know, saying, oh, let me see the 19 times they've gone out in two tight end and their ability to almost like poker players, just learning so much faster than the prior generation. How how do you look at the coaching matchup fast? Yeah, I think it's a wash. I didn't really enter into my um, decision in terms of which team to back. Now it's one thing to look at the underdog reality of Oklahoma and think, oh, there's value. But what about the phenomenon of underdogs in the biggest bowl games having a chip on their shoulder, a sense that the whole week Georgia's kind of hearing, oh, you're supposed to, or not the whole week, but the whole month, hey, you're supposed to win, and Oklahoma being told you're not supposed to win. It was a major positive for the dog, especially in the BCS era. We saw a lot of big dogs with a chip on their shoulder, Florida over Ohio State, Ohio State over Miami, Oklahoma uh, over Florida State. A lot of big dogs that were winning outright using that as motivation. Faz, how do you account for that? Yeah, I think that is a factor. So, But the fact that it's such a small point spread, I think here, I don't think that they're feeling disrespectful. If anything, I think it's perfect because they are clearly competitive, but they're being told they're supposed to lose. I don't think kids are thinking they're the underdog. I mean, how many questions during the, you know, the pressers and all that is, Hey, Vegas says you're supposed to win. Vegas says you're supposed to lose. Um, I I'm, I'm looking up at pregame.com. And by the way, you can just go up to pregame.com, click the game center, go to the odds and see the money line. Just click money line instead of spread. Um, and I'm seeing you can shop for plus one ten. Is this, is this a situation with a high total 
you'd rather take the 20 cents and take the plus 110 if you're betting Oklahoma or do you lay the 110 at plus two and a half? I'm I'm indifferent. It's pretty close. Okay. Last question here. Might be biased because of the one point Georgia Notre Dame game <laughs> that that may be swaying my opinion. And plus, I mean, it feels like especially if Oklahoma is behind, there's a chance that they can throw from behind. I mean, that's another interesting point. Oklahoma gets down 14. Obviously not good, but Georgia get down 14. God, it's a, a terrible spot. I have no confidence whatsoever that they can come back from that. Now, Fez, this is only a lean for you. So <laughs> so if you want to back, I mean, like, let's. This I is, want to back off. You do. I want to call it a pass. <laughs> a little background for everyone. We're allowed one pass, and unfortunately, I'd like to have three But you could have just leaned Oklahoma. I could have. And you no know, one forced of, you to play Georgia. A lot here. of this too is that this line opened up close to pick. And so I go ahead and put down my lean and then it's a two and a half and you hate to change. Oh, you them. did the lean a month ago. You hate to change the opinion based upon a move through a one or a two, which is a pretty insignificant number. All right. Well, listen, one game in, we've already <laughs> talked Fez off his position. I, we might as well just wrap it up. And you guys used to think I didn't listen to you. I, mean, <laughs> I like that. RJ was after you from the start. I, I mean, was talking almost it, throughout the whole thing. I just couldn't believe it. Give me it. a plus three, baby. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm moving over to the Oklahoma dark side. I mean, let's be honest. It just didn't make sense. And, and Fez, this is for you right here. Hold on. Coffee's for closers only. <laughs> Coffees for closers. Where's that from? <laughs> if you don't know where that's from, that is sad. Wow. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Never seen it. Really? Yeah. That is one of the most famous salesman movies of all time. Coffees for close. It's as, Pacino. As soon as March Madness ends, I'm watching. There you go, man. There you go. All right. Now, you thought that was hot. <laughs> Crossfire time. We've got Alabama. We got Clemson. Brad, who do you like? I like Clemson here, and let's start at the top. I think Alabama deserves to be favored. I was not surprised that they opened up favorite. Thought they should be a one or one and a half point favorite, but I cannot justify Alabama being a full field goal favorite. Number one factor for me is I got the best coach in college football right now. Not Nick Saban, Dabble Sweeney, particularly in the postseason. Last five years. 7-0 against the spread, 6-1 and one straight up, all in the underdog role, and it's not like he's been playing Little Sisters of the Poor. Every single one of those covers came against a national championship winning coach, twice against Saban, twice against Urban Meyer, twice against Stoops, once against Les Miles. No guy in the entire country right now prepares his team with extra time to prep better than Sweeney. Now I'm catching a full field goal. I think the defending national champs feeling a little disrespected here. I like the Tigers. Tigers like from Brad. Fez, you obviously like Clemson. Oh, I'm sorry. You obviously like Bama. <laughs> I like Alabama and our show. I just can't believe this one either. Straight out of Vegas. And by the way, I do think we're going to get a cheap money line on Alabama. This is the phenomenon. That's fascinating, but it has nothing to do with Fair this. Let me we'll do that at the end. Let me, let me continue. So in straight out of Vegas, I said, I think Clemson should be number one in the country and Alabama number two. So I'm driving home and my phone starts lighting up like a pinball machine. It's like text after text. Fez, what are you doing? You're the one who always preaches. Don't worry about the recency. Don't overreact. They're like, Alabama had all their linebackers hurt. They were the best team. How good were they? We were talking about Brad and I about how Alabama should be favored against the field early in November. 
and how logical that was. Well, now they're only minus 145 or minus three against one team in one game. Why is that? Because they played two bad games all year. Well, they played the bad games back-to-back to end the year at Mississippi State. They could have lost at Auburn. They did lose by eight. Well, they had cluster injuries at linebacker. Now they've had six weeks to get healthy. They get two of their linebackers back, so they no longer have the cluster injury issue where they didn't have any good linebackers left. And they're not facing Deshaun Watson anymore, who last time I checked was going to be the rookie of the year in the NFL and was going to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Instead, they're facing Bryant. That is a huge, huge difference. And I can make the case Did Dabo Sweeney beat Alabama the last two years, covered the last two years, almost beat him twice. No, Watson almost beat them twice. That is the difference. So let's talk linebackers. I'm always leery when I hear other than quarterback, because you just sometimes just don't have a quarterback, even if you recruit really well. How many linebackers does Alabama carry on their team? Scholarship. Oh, scholarship. I'd say 12 to 14. Okay. So the idea is because of two additional linebackers or the absence of those two, I listen, cluster injuries are a real thing in the NFL, especially you've got a, um, salary cap, right? Your, your third string linebacker can only be so good at Alabama that the, the linebackers they put on the field against Auburn, that linebacking crew, where did they rank in the country? Oh, in the country, I would still put them top 20. All right. So having the top 20 linebackers is why we're going to excuse these losses. Oh, I wouldn't put them close to the top 20, maybe in terms of their rating. Faz, you've always pretty good at understanding your limitations. So at a player level, you're, you're just saying, Brad, you're wrong. Brad, you're wrong. And here's why <laughs> they may have been ranked in, in terms of in being the top and 20, out. but there's no continuity <laughs> from them playing on the field. They were backups. And how do you think Mississippi state, no one else can run against Alabama at all, but all of a sudden Mississippi State can absolutely just gouge them on the ground without there being a reason. What was the reason? Well, how many teams did Alabama play prior to November? Are they legitimate good teams? Which is, is an interesting question. So let's get out your little magazine, and <laughs> why don't you read to me Alabama's wins? Cup. I don't, I don't want to hear about margin. I want to hear about the, their quality wins. It, it is Cupcake City. Mm, interesting. But I'll read it to you. Florida State. Okay, which, again, with their quarterback for that game, uh, you know, a top what? Oh, a top 10, top 15 quarterback. Yeah, Florida State no, no, was no, a top was five for, team. Well, Legitimate. Top, number three, we're in my power ratings. At but that but well, hold on, hold on. Looking back in hindsight, the team we saw this year, if they had their quarterback the whole year, would be ranked where? 15th, maybe. All right. Fresno State, Colorado State, two bold no, teams. Please, I... I don't want you to hear your critique or your rationalization <laughs> of each of these teams. I'll just, just read them. At Vandy, Ole Miss, at Texas A&M, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU. All right, and so, and what was the LSU final? Uh, they won by 14. They're, they're laying three touchdowns, got outgained in that game by LSU. See, Fez, you would say then they should have won. They should have lost they that game. They were up, what, 20 to nothing oh, in that game? okay. And then coasted. And so, but when Minnesota against Green Bay got out again <laughs> last week. That was like, oh my gosh, Green Bay was playing hard. They're, Alabama's <laughs> linebackers played oh, oh, just oh, fine in that game. Hold on a second here. I'll, I'll let you. So answer that one. What's the difference? <laughs> 
I think I'll just let the music play. <laughs> Anyone who watched the game, Alabama was never in danger in that game. Oh, so now as a three-touchdown favorite, your goal is to win the game. They didn't want to embarrass LSU? <laughs> I think it was a workmanlike effort. <laughs> I mean, let me ask you a question. If this was a blind resume and you just looked at the Bama resume, could I make the case that this is the eighth or ninth best team in the country? Yeah, I think you could. I don't think you could because after they beat LSU, they had played. I mean, LSU is like a borderline top 15 team and they absolutely. What is a borderline them. top 15 team? You mean a top 25 team by a borderline you got top them in 15 the, in your top 15, Brad? Who LSU? Yeah. Yeah. Number 11. Okay. All right, fine. So say top, they're, they're a top, a top 15, 15 team then. Don't say borderline. Top I didn't 15. know if they were in Brad's top 15. Fair enough. But up to that point, they had absolutely steamrolled everyone. You could say, hey, you can't control who you play. They'd smash Florida oh, State. Oh, you can't control who you play. You'd, you'd smash the number three Florida State team. Not smash, but handled easily. And we all thought that Alabama was clearly the best team. Seven points better than any other team. It's these last two games. And this is the... the but that whole and- seven points better than any other team was driven by the pedigree. And, in, and at this point, that's what I meant by the whole blind idea is I just haven't seen it on the field. Now, listen, linebackers are back. I mean, maybe that's worth, I mean, obviously it's worth something. I mean, there were some, but they're not all back. The best guy is still out. And that's when they're rushing really downgraded. When he went out of the lineup in early November, that's when their defense took a hit. Sean Dion Hamilton's their, their best linebacker. See, and I felt they took the hit when they got all the cluster injuries together. That's when they really collapsed. And I think that the revenge is, is pretty darn huge because I don't think they lose to Clemson last year. If Clemson doesn't have the revenge, you can say it's worth the point. I think it might be worth two points in this case. And Clemson was sky high, barely was able to beat them on a last second play in the playoff game with Deshaun Watson last year. Now Alabama has the revenge. See, I, I don't understand revenge. To me, you can only get to max motivation. Are we really thinking that the Clemson isn't trying their hardest in this game? I think that the team that lost makes the proper adjustments to the team that won, and the team that won incorrectly tries to do some of the things they did to win the first game. By the way, uh, Ken Thompson, he leaned Georgia. He he was uh, with Fess on that Mm. one. I'd like to have gotten Uh, I would have loved that. College Um, football expert, Ken Thompson. Well, yeah, there you go. Uh, Well, oh, wait, you went to a pass, though. So Ken Ken liked Georgia, and, and Fess passed in that game. Um, on this game, he likes Clemson and his number one factor, Dabo versus Saban. That's an interesting question. So, I mean, does Saban have any coaching edge here? I don't think he does. And, and you know, we did, Fez and I did a video here and I was explaining, you know, not only what made Alabama have such a significant coaching edge, didn't just start with Nick Saban, the head coach. It was their entire support staff was so much better than the rest of the country. Let's look at what that staff has lost in the last two years. Kirby Smart, defense corner, he's pretty good. He's got Georgia as a head coach in the semifinals. They lose the best play caller in all of college football, in my opinion, Lane Kiffin. He did a pretty bang-up job at Florida Atlantic this year. They lose an offensive line coach, Mario Cristobal, who's now the head coach of Oregon. That's a pretty good guy. Heck, as a quality offensive analysis last year, they have Steve Sarkeesian, who's now the offense coordinator at Atlanta. Whether you like him or not, that's a big loss. And now you look at, in this game, distractions. They're losing their defensive coordinator to Tennessee. He's splitting his time between recruiting for Tennessee, game planning for this one. It's a negative, and it's not the same great you know, coaching staff, by far better than everyone else in the country right now. Let's do our two-point 
approach, Alabama favored by five or Clemson a one point underdog? Mm. I don't, that that is my line on the game. Alabama won, so I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I I think the game should probably be pick them to be honest with you. All right, interesting stuff. <laughs> Fez is zero for two. All right, <laughs> pros versus Joe's time. Oh, I'm hoping. I'm hoping we get a little bit of fun here. We've got LSU. So we're going reverse chronological, guys. LSU, Notre Dame. LSU opened a one-point favorite up to a three-point favorite with extra juice. The pros are on LSU. The Joes on the Irish. Brad, you like this game. Wait, let me get ready. with you. Who do you like? I like LSU. Ah, with the pros. And, and if you remember, because it was just you and me, RJ, with <coughs> oh, Fez was sick. <laughs> we gave LSU out as the best bet at two and a half. And got ahead of that line move a few weeks ago when we did our first bowl podcast. But, I mean, the reason I am going to like LSU is actually <laughs> anti-Notre Dame. I've followed them. I mean, I've been a lifelong Notre Dame fan. And quite simply, last quarter century, they cannot win the big game. They have not won a New Year's Day bowl game since 1994. 0-9 straight up, 1-8 against the spread. Let's, you know, make it more recent. They can't win big games away from home. Under Brian Kelly, 0-10 straight up for his top 20 teams, 3-7 against the number away from home. Brian Kelly can't prepare teams for bowl games. He's 2-7 against the number. I, I don't know if it's a necessarily Notre Dame gets placed in a better bowl game than they should because of their resume, but this team chokes under pressure and did so again this year. Close games against Georgia, Stanford, elite teams. They choke under pressure, lose, and not fail, and fail to cover. I think it'll be the same instance here. Give me LSU. Now that that was a professional presentation right there. Fez, you pass this game. What keeps you from liking LSU? Just one factor. I actually leaned to Notre Dame and the reason. Is, oh, so you you've changed that? Yes, because the okay. line's gone up here. And the reason is that if there's a trend and this is pretty powerful, if you just blindly back a team that comes into the bowl, Owen three against the spread. Against a team that's so three straight losses against the spread, three straight spread losses, and you're facing a team that's got three straight spread wins, and you blindly bet on the team that's been running bad, you're 11 and two against the spread. And this makes sense to me because you've got one team that absolutely circles the bowl game, they've been, been playing terribly. This is a pure business trip, no fun. And the other team that's been um, absolutely exceeding expectations. Coach might let them go to Disneyland, might have a little more festivities at the bowl game further on the point spread value. What happens in the point spreads of these, of these games, the public and everyone sees the line and says, Hey, LSU is playing great. The Irish are playing lousy. I'm going to bet LSU. That's why this line's gone from pick up to three and it may go three and a half. I'm skeptical of that. Uh, one, obviously 11 and two is not statistically significant, but I think more importantly, it presupposes teams are cognizant of not covering the spread or not covering the spread or not. And I think they're aware of it, but the idea of emotionally getting involved, imagine you're a touchdown favorite, three straight games and you win by three, six and five. Are you really feeling like that you've done poorly? You certainly are not. Now, if you're favored by 28, and you win by three, yeah. So I think you have to look, did they win the game out? I, I, if you told me three straight losses, obviously, how do you make a bowl game? I guess you could, but then I think you're right. It's a chance at redemption. But to me, the idea of the team being affected by poor or good ATS results, 
I get the public. I think you could make the case that the public is betting the team that's won and they're comfortable fading the team that's lost ATS because they've lost money on them or they've won money fading them or they've won money on them, on the team that's winning. So I think maybe you could say it's expensive, but I don't think the team's all that aware of it. Well, I think most of those teams that are 0-3 against the spread have been saddled with a loss because... But if you're 2-1 straight up, I mean... <laughs> you still feel like you're underperforming. One other trend So here, every team feels like it should win every game. <laughs> no. If the... Uh, if you just back the last seven underdogs that are, are under this 13-game... Uh, sample set, the last seven underdogs have won the bowl game straight up. I thought that was pretty darn powerful. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. I, I think it probably has more to do with the price, which actually makes a little sense in this one because the game's been bet out from one to three. But according to you, pros versus Joe's games, it's not the Joe's that are betting it up. It's the pros. So I actually agree with your trend for the most part. I like playing on teams just from a price aspect makes sense. But in this case, I think it's been the pros betting it, not the Joes. But, and but very, remember now, yeah. when the pros are going one way, even if the if the public goes that way too, it accelerates okay. the move. And right. if the public's the other way, as we talk about in pros versus Joes, it holds the move back. So in theory, this line would be higher if the Joes weren't betting Notre Dame. I, and I wish it wasn't Notre Dame. I wish they had a different name because, RJ, you've said this numerous times. If you blindly have to bet on or against the yeah. Irish, you're going to bet against them. They're a brand name. And Brad's trend about Notre Dame and Bowles, I think, speak to that because there's more public money being bet in bowls than any other regular or any regular season um, college football game. And thus the public biases exert themselves more. All right. So recap, uh, by the way, Ken has a lean on LSU. He says, number one factor, which team is more motivated? So he's asking that question. And he's also asking about the running games of each team. So Let's answer that question and move on. How do we see the motivation? I think both teams are relatively motivated. A chance to get 10 wins. Uh, I think Notre Dame coming off such a terrible four and eight season to go from four and eight to 10 wins is big. And I think LSU would, you know, rubber stamp the turn, the complete turnaround after losing as a three touchdown favorite at home to Troy to win eight straight or to cover eight straight games, win seven of those outright to finish the season. That's a decent first season for Ed Orgeron. Agree. Both teams maximum motivated. Next game, undefeated team, not in the playoffs, Central Florida against Auburn. Auburn now favored by double digits, favored by 10. And Brad, let's start with Coach Frost. What is your sense? You've, you, you've understood and talked about, hey, he's involved in this prep. You were skeptical. How are you assessing his involvement? Uh, you know, it's not ideal, but I actually think it's more of a positive. And I've come around to this where I thought it'd be a negative. He's recruiting for Nebraska. He's not fully game planning for this one. And here's where I've come around. I just read a player's quote from, and we're taping this on Thursday, a Missouri player questioned his offensive coordinator, Josh Heupel, leaving for Central Florida and used the example, hey, he couldn't stay and be a man like Scott Frost. I mean, that really hurt us in bowl games. I think these players are very excited that their coach is willing to huh, stay with them. I think someone them. said that. Yes, you did. I and said that's going to help them at Nebraska, too. Yes, he's a player's coach. You did. I think it's true. I, I think, yeah. I mean, I think we lose sight of that these kids, maybe even D1 guys, a minority, go to the NFL, but they are playing hurt. They're up at 530 in the morning in June. I mean, it, it's not easy being a D one athlete and a student, right? Now, a lot of them don't do both, but if you're doing both, it, it's pretty tough. 
Okay, we'll get your leaner like in a second, Brad. Fez, your leaner like in this game. Yeah, I lean to Central Florida. I would have liked Central Florida. It's the classic one team, ultra motivated, 12 and 0, trying to complete the perfect season, chance to knock off the big boy. Auburn, they had hopes and aspirations of a national title. Now, carry on Johnson, their stud running back's probable. He's likely to play, but this is a team that really had bigger things planned on the resume. But the reason I don't like it, I only lean. The UCF running back, Killens, <laughs> he has yeah. a quote. I think this is very significant. He said, quote, Auburn hasn't seen speed like us. They're going to be shocked by our speed. Why are you poking the bear? I don't understand that. This is the sort of game that you like to bet the underdog because the favorite comes in without any motivation and UCF is giving Auburn motivation. Yeah, I'm skeptical. If you're If you're already motivated, maybe that helps you take it up a half a notch. But if you don't care, I mean, to some degree, if you have a little cousin that you've beat 20 straight times at horse and you're just ate a big meal and you're laying down rubbing your tummy <laughs> and, and he says, oh, I'm going to kick your butt. You look over. It's like it's like a dog barking. Right? You don't take it seriously. If Auburn feels like if they need if that statement gets them playing, that's actually sad. I, it may be sad, but I think it's a factor. Bradley or like. I, you know, I'm going to agree with Fez as far as slight factor. I don't think it's the overwhelming one, but I lean towards Central Florida here. And I got a key stat here, and we mentioned this a, a few podcasts back, is going back to the BCS days when the Big East, the former Big East Conference, was awarded you know, an automatic bid to one of these big bowl games. The underdog, I'm talking the group of five conferences, has had 19 bowl games, instances where they're playing power five teams. They were an underdog in 16 of those 19 games but yet they won 13 of them outright. So 16 times a dog, they're 13 and six straight up. And a lot of it is about the motivation. You get the power five team could care less. And I think that's the instance here. Auburn one went away from the playoffs and now you're playing central Florida. That doesn't move the needle for me. Meanwhile, it's the game of a lifetime for those power five type of, or those group of five type of schools. So I'm leaning with central Florida. Now we've talked about it and we were certainly Marvin, not Marvin, the mind reader, Nostradamus. I don't think I've ever referenced Nostradamus, <laughs> but when it comes to the idea of higher variance in bowl games, one of the big drivers being motivation disparity. Some, sometimes the team's motivated, the opponent isn't, and it can be a blowout and you get extreme results. So what did we say? We say, if you like the favorite, don't even consider the money line, lay the lumber with the spread. If you like the dog, Look to put a piece, if not the whole bet, on the money line. Get the big payout. What's the update on that? And again, we're taping here on Thursday, Thursday the 28th, I guess. Uh, it's still perfect as far as all favorites that have you know won the game straight up have covered. All underdogs that have covered have won the game straight up. And we're about 20 bowl games in. 20-0, and 0, the line hasn't mattered so far. All right, so think about that. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And there's been some significant underdogs that's covered. Absolutely. And each instance is about covering about three touchdowns compared to expectations to spread each instance. And there's been plenty of favorites that have covered by 20 plus. There's a game today. Navy was laying two and a half at post against Virginia. Virginia ran the opening kickoff back, went up seven, nothing Navy, 49, nothing the rest of the game. Now, if I recall, Brad, you guys had a, a crossfire in that game. Did we have a crossfire? No, I I did lean Virginia. I mean, I'll admit to that. I don't know if we had a crossfire. Well, maybe Ken and, and I think and I got Steven. hit with Huey because I was looking at Navy. But but it's funny how he yeah. just randomly brings that game up, though. There's yeah. been a lot of blowouts. 
Yes. <laughs> a little self-serving. <laughs> I, I, I got my butt kicked in the, on, the, uh, <laughs> on the games we disagreed with already today. So I thought I'd bring it up. <laughs> Nicely. Coffee's for closes only. <laughs> right after March Madness. All right. So Central Florida is a three. Uh, I'm sorry. Check that. A 300 money line underdog. So three to one payout. Is this, and again, you always feel like, hey, if I really recommend it here, this is the one that's good. The spread's going to matter. Um, but it feels like if Auburn comes to play, they cover. If they don't, they lose the game, right? I completely agree. Maybe an in-game live a little bit to see Auburn's motivation or maybe in pregame, see how they are. You know, I always like to put like 45% on the money line and 55% on the spread. And that way, if in, I get in all dogs or you're saying in the bowl on the bowl dogs and the reason RJ, and this might be more psychological than anything else. If I get the game right and my team covers, I make a little money instead of losing a little bit of money. So I make just a little less than half my bet on the money line. Next game. We've got Fez's total South Carolina, Michigan, Michigan favored by seven and a half. Let's look at the side first. Oh, by the way, Ken actually leaned Auburn. He's saying Auburn's going to be motivated and that Central Florida is going to have trouble moving the ball against the front seven with the pressure. Okay, so South Carolina, Michigan, Fez on the total. Let's look at the side here, leaner like Brett. I'm going to lean with South Carolina. It's very tough for me to lay more than a touchdown with this Michigan offense. It's only averaged 23 points per game since Big Ten play started. Uh, for me, and, and plus South Carolina has had this chip on their shoulder. They have a type of head coach, Will Muschamp, a fiery guy, uh, a great underdog coach. He's been that way each last two years, including this year, six and one against a number four outright upsets. Uh, I can't ex- explain laying more than a touchdown with Michigan. I, I'm leaning with South Carolina plus the points. And the line is seven and a half Michigan favored. Ken likes, likes South Carolina. Number one factor is Gamecocks major over achievers. And question about Harbaugh and the QB play with youngster Peters. Okay. So Gamecock Peters. I got it. Fez total. (laughs) We're going under. I'm going back to the well of Michigan unders. We've talked about this all year long. It started week one when they played Florida and the two teams combined for 50 points with three defensive touchdowns. There was an overtime game against Indiana. Michigan has a very Fine defense, almost an elite defense. They have no quarterback play and they can't move the ball. Yet somehow they've gotten games that have been right around 50 points again and again. I'm going to go under the total. We only made it 39.2. My math guys under 43 low total should be lower. Okay. Under from Fez. Next game. We have a double best bet. First time in history in history. We've had uh, the same game with a side and total best bet. We're going to start with Brad. Brad, you've got the side. It's Miami, Florida, Wisconsin. Wisconsin favored by four and a half. Yeah, I got a best bet on Miami here, and I think there's a significant matchup edge in Miami's favor, and it's Wisconsin's quarterback, Alex Hornibrook, who has a propensity to turn it over. How about 15 interceptions this year? Taking on that Miami defense that was number two in the country and forced turnovers with that turnover chain. I don't think that's being appropriately priced in the number. And another thing that's not being appropriately priced is Miami in a big time game at home at night. Their two best efforts of the entire season at home at night, prime time against Notre Dame. Same thing with Virginia tech. 
I think this is a game that, the, yes, they had playoff aspirations, but I think reality set in when they were hammered by Clemson. I think they get up for this game. First time they can win a major bowl game in nearly 15 years. I like the Hurricanes plus the points, sprinkle in a little bit of money line. Now, money line, you can get the plus 170 or so. I think this is an interesting situation that's actually week 17 of the NFL has an analog. Raiders playing at the Chargers. We believe there's going to be more Raiders fans there. That helps when it comes to the energy and all that. But I also think where there's questionable motivation when you're playing in front of your fans, you're less likely to lay an egg. So I think not only let's say if both teams were max motivated, the home crowd would be one increment of advantage. But with Miami having questionable motivation, I think, because again, it was, they were one game away from the playoffs, right? Yep. Having that home crowd not only gives you that home crowd edge, I think it also influences the motivation side. Agreed. I think this is going to be a neutral crowd, though. No team travels better to bowls than Wisconsin. I think this is a 50-50 crowd. Well, I, I mean, I agree, Wisconsin. But for a team that was also one game from the playoffs, and now it's all... Yeah, and I think Wisconsin, if there's going to be a team that's a little, you know, they were one possession away. They could have beaten Ohio State in that game. So I I think any team's really disappointed. It's probably Wisconsin, who was 12-0. and Miami had the loss against Pittsburgh. It was, hey, where are we going to get in? Where are we not? I think the team that's maybe not as motivated as Wisconsin, similar to Iowa, was a 12-0 team two years ago, loses by one possession in the Big Ten championship game. Yes, they're playing in the Rose Bowl for the first time in 20, 30 years. Fail, lay an egg against Stanford, get blown out. Best bet, Brad, Miami. Ken Thompson leans Miami, mentions the playing in their quote-unquote backyard. Also noted Badgers travel well. Um, Question he had is which team controls the trenches and can run the ball better? Fez, that might be a good segue. You've got a best bet on the total. Yeah, I'm going under the 45. I agree with Brad that that Miami defense, quite good. Hornybrook can't play well. I don't see Wisconsin getting past 24 points. And here's the key to this handicap. Wisconsin's defense has been, I talk about Georgia being consistent. No squad has been more consistent than the whiskey defense all year long prior to the Ohio State game. They, the defense had given up 17 or fewer points in each and every game. No hiccups. Then finally they play Ohio State. Ohio State gets into the high 20s. That's fine. Ohio State averages almost eight yards per play. I cannot see how Wisconsin is going to give give up 20 or more to Miami. Both teams going under their team totals. The game goes under 45. Next game, Washington-Penn State. What a line move in this game. Penn State opened as a six-point underdog, now a one-and-a-half-point favorite. This is Ken's best bet. We'll hold that back to the end. Fez, you've got the side Brad has the total. Let's start with you, Fez, leaner like. I'm going to lean to Penn State, and it's all about I don't trust Washington on the road. I think that what happened is they got overrated making the Final Four last year. Last year's team was better. I can't look past these two final scores. At Stanford, they lose 22-30. to 30, Not a good performance, but at Arizona State, 7-13. to 13. They only can manage seven points. I don't see any good efforts on the road all year long. Okay, so do you consider a bowl game a road game? I know it's technically a neutral, but do you look at only road stats? Do you maybe double weight the road stats? How do you split that out? You know, I've heard people say double weight or even more 
that one of the best predictors for bowl success is just to look at road games. So specifically on that question, Brad, how do you approach it? Yeah, I look more road than definitely home. Double weight the road. Okay. Best bet is Ken Thompson, Penn State, agreeing with Fez. Number one factor, Penn State's running back. Barkley expects him to have a big game. And can the Huskies D slow down the combination of playmakers on Penn State? So, Brad, you obviously like the total, but where do you lean if you had to on this? I lean with Penn State. I think Fez broke it down great. I mean, they failed to uh, cover expectations, the Vegas spread in those two road games against Arizona State. And why do we mention those? Those were the only two bowl teams they played away from home. So the only legitimate competition, because they played a week schedule, they failed to cover the spread by nearly 40 points combined in those two games. So I would lean towards the Nittany Lions. This is your one total. Yeah, I'm leaning towards the under. I disagree with Ken. I don't think Saquon Barkley is going to have a big game. We've seen him actually get shut down multiple times this year. And now he's facing the number one running defense in the country in Washington. And plus what's missing here from the coaching staff from both teams. How about both offensive coordinators? And I think Penn State, particularly Joe Moorhead, who was the reason James Franklin is still coaching in Happy Valley. If he doesn't make that higher, I think he would have gotten fired at the end of the last season. So two new play callers. I think you got some different type of game plans and missing two really good play callers that are now head coaches. I'm leaning towards the under. Okay. If you go to pregame.com, click game center, go to the odds and then click on the individual odds. You actually see the breakdown, all the line moves. And sometimes when you see that opener, it's kind of a hmm. rogue number. And if we look at bookmaker, which is one of the big boys, obviously offshore, uh, bookmaker.eu bookmaker opened up on 12, three and they opened up with um, Penn state as a one and a half point favorite. They actually got bet up to two and a half. Now they're back down to one and a half. So in general, how would you characterize the line move on this game? It, obviously not as extreme as if we look at that rogue opener. Yeah. yeah I mean, that rogue opener had to be like a bet online or something. Uh, I didn't see it. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, I'd have the game power rated about like two, two and a half. I think that's the right line. Penn State being favorite, two, two and a half. Okay, next game we've got. Oh, oh wait, triple like is the next game, not the the one after this. This is a double like though. Brad and Ken agree. Iowa State, Memphis, Memphis favored by four. Brad, who do you like? Yeah, I like Iowa State here, and it's very similar to the handicap that I had in a crossfire that I won last night with Texas is I got a big 12. It's good that you mentioned that win. Yeah, I did. Uh, I have to. Uh, you, you look at this <laughs> matchup. I got an Iowa State defense that's used to face facing up-tempo spread offenses and did a hell of a job doing it in the big 12. They only limited their opponents to 21 points per game this year. So the, the up-tempo spread offense that uh, Memf uh, Memphis runs isn't going to be something that's unique to them. We saw that Missouri dominated SEC competition. Why? Because SEC teams don't run enough tempo spread offense. But when they face Texas, who's used to facing it, they struggled last night as we're taping this on Thursday. I think it's similar here. I like Iowa State, a motivated team. And that's also very unique. A motivated team playing a power, uh, group of five team here. Iowa State's happy to be in a bowl game. All right. Like Iowa State. Ken likes Iowa State. Number one factor, Memphis high-flying offense. Now that's interesting. <laughs> sounds like he would like Memphis there. So how do you see that, that, as you said, that high flying offense, do, do you look at that as a situation 
And and if you're repeating yourself here, we do want to just kind of drill into what Ken was talking about is where where do you feel like Memphis offense is overrated? I think they're overrated due to the schedule they played. I mean, even they, they beat a UCLA. UCLA probably has the worst power five defense in the country, or at least uh, one of the five worst. So in Central Florida might be their second best defense they face, and I still think Central Florida's defense is you know below average compared to Iowa State. And remember, guys, that's an important point. When you look at strength of schedule, it's not just how good the team that they teams that they play are. It's how good the offenses are when you're considering a team's defense and how good the uh, defenses are when you're considering a team's offense. And it looks like Memphis didn't play many good defenses. Yeah, I can safely say this is by far the best defense Memphis has faced all year. Fez, we've got Brad like in Iowa State. We got Ken like in Iowa State. You lean Iowa State. Yeah, you know, I don't even... I don't want to say that Memphis's offense is overrated because it really is awesome when you watch their quarterback and I got to see them several times, but the matchup's really bad. Iowa State saw Oklahoma. They can they could handle Oklahoma. They certainly can handle Memphis. And also, wow. Get away, he's, he's, he's bringing up that one yeah. blemish on Oklahoma. And wow, you talk about a Big 12 team being disinterested to play a bowl game and they get to watch Memphis putting 70 on teams. That'll get your interest real fast and get you motivated, right? Oh, I Coffee's for closers only. <laughs> I like it. Fez doesn't close. Motivated, Iowa State. And then also, you talk fan support here. Memphis is playing at home. Do not award them full home field advantage. I bet Iowa State has nearly as many fans in the stands. Next game, triple like. Louisville, Mississippi State. Louisville is up to seven in this game. Favored by seven. Fez, who do you like? Like Louisville, all about disruption on Mississippi State. They lose their coach. They lose their offensive and defensive coordinators. They lose their quarterback. And they're facing a Louisville team. Remember, Louisville had a fine year last year, and then they crapped out. They lost their last three games. They were a virtual no-show in their bowl game. So I've got one team that's going to absolutely have their bowl game circled, and Louisville look to whoop up on on their opponent against an opponent that is way down versus where they were over the course of the year. Now, if we look at a poor bowl performance last year, do we think, oh, they are looking to rebound? Or, hey, they've got a coaching staff, they've got a system that's prone to underperform in bowls? I'm indifferent on that because Bobby Petrino has not been a great bowl coach. The head coach for Louisville, he's three and seven against the number, but they have specifically, and one player in particular, Lamar Jackson, the Heisman Trophy winner from last year, said he was very disappointed in his bowl performance from last year wants to close out on a winning note. And I do think he was one of the recent Heisman guys that did get distracted with all that hype. He's a very young um, was uh, the player. Youngest. Yes. Yeah. And so if ever there was a guy to be distracted by the Heisman hype, it was him. So you like Louisville. I love Louisville. And, <laughs> and you know, at the, you well, take it I off mean, the rubber band. I took off the, I'll put it this way at the early five number. It was my biggest bet of the entire year. What are you doing? Why does the guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, why does guy carry his money in a roll? Ken also likes Louisville. His factor, no Fitzgerald. So let's talk coaching here. Uh, disruption's generally a bad thing, but it sounds like it's particularly bad here. Major disruption, more so than any other interim uh, coach we've seen this year where a lot of the interim coaches still had their coordinators. That's not the case here. Interim coach from Mississippi State lost both coordinators. They're both off to, with Dan Mullen to Florida. You lost your quarterback. Okay, that, that's a big deal. Obviously, Nick Fitzgerald, probably the best SEC quarterback, or at least up there. But they lost him in the last regular season game, so we haven't seen a lot of data points with the true freshman quarterback. 
And another key coaching advantage here, the defense coordinator for Louisville was the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State last year, so he knows that player personnel inside and out. Good stuff from Brad. Triple like Louisville. Next game, double like. Oh, the Ohio State <laughs> Buckeyes. Favored, oh, just by a touchdown and, and another half point and then a little extra juice against USC. Huh. Wonder if Bam would be this big of a favorite in this game. I wonder. I wonder. Okay, we've got a double like. Brad, you're one of them. And you and Ken, who do you like? I like USC here. I think it's a much healthier team than what we saw, particularly in the Notre Dame game, which was the culmination of a USC team that was the only power five team not to have a buy in the regular season. They were banged up on the front seven, got run over. Since then, they've gotten healthier each and every week. They won five straight. Sam Darnold's protecting the football, unlike the first four or five games of the season. He's got a 17-4 ratio the last eight games. Extra month of prep. They get more guys back. And I also think I'm USC. I've only been an underdog three times in the last 23 games. I perceive if I'm a five-star guy, I think I have similar talent to Ohio State. And you mean to tell me that I'm wrong? Yeah. I'm getting more than a touchdown here. I think I'm disrespected. I like USC. You might think it, but what's that? Similar talent to Ohio State. Well, I think it's lesser. No, there's no. Well, question. that's that's the point. Then I'm you're thinking, not similar when you're lesser. Well, I'm thinking. <laughs> I said if I'm a player. Yeah, I'm not so a player. You're saying if you're deluded. Yeah. Look, Ohio State has more talent than USC. There's no Agreed. question. But I'm thinking if I'm a player, I'm disrespected. I I'm a four or five star recruit. How is this team favored by more than a touchdown over me? I'll be honest. I don't think the line makes sense unless there's a real chance that Darnold doesn't play. And I think it's getting priced in. So let me ask you, we did this for Rosen. You guys were in the 70% range. You would play. How'd that game turn out, Brad? Turned out, uh, you know, not good in the first half. I no, was no, a little no, worried. No. How'd the game but turn out? But in the end, Kansas State. So, so did you really tweet at halftime crying? I, it's reverse psychology. No, 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 no. I was crying. I even got caught up in the feed of people saying, what kind of pussy is this? The game's not, is half over. He's already crying. I was crying. Yeah. It was 17, seven UCLA's winning. I couldn't believe the game plan for Kansas state. Usually when I do something like that, RJ just calls me and like, Let's me know. Let's that, just say yeah. is 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 Brad's been softened up this year. Yeah. Uh, you, you need to like go to the monastery for about a, a week and, <laughs> and, and, and get ready to deal with the the vagaries yes. of a life in Vegas. I <laughs> agree with vagaries that. in Vegas. Let me explain why this line is seven and a half. The math geeks love Ohio State. We talk about the NFL. We love yards per play. Ohio State. Th- these two teams have played comparable schedules. They gain 7.7 yards per play. They give up 4.4 for a net differential of 3.3. That's three times as good as any NFL team that we've seen all year long. USC's had a fine year. They gain 6.9. They give up 5.7. They're on par with like the best NFL team at plus 1.2 yards per play. That's what's driving this. The math guys say Ohio State is power rated so much better, but I think this is misleading because Ohio State is the best bully I've ever seen. When they play a bad team, they play a Minnesota or a Maryland, they annihilate that team. But for whatever reason, I don't know why, when they play a team that's within a level or two of them, they play more conservatively. And you see them with close games against Michigan's, Wisconsin's, teams they should be absolutely winning by 20. They don't win by double digits. And because of that, 
I think I might lean a little to USC. What do you think, Faz, starting with you, the odds are that Darnold plays? Much more than 50%. I'd say 80. <laughs> 80? Yeah. Okay. 80 for me. All right. So do you think there's a material chance he doesn't play? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So in theory, once it's announced, assuming it is that he's going to play, this line drops to seven immediately. Yes. Because it's got, I mean, how, we've talked about this many times. What's the line without Darnold? What's the line with them? What's the odds of him playing? It's, you know, fairly simple math. And they, you know, obviously accounting for key numbers. And there you go. Um, so I think the trick is if you believe Darnold's going to play and you like USC, play it now. If you like Ohio State and you think Darnold's going to play weight, because you're probably going to get a better number. If even six and a half. And even if you don't get a better number, what difference is it laying eight and a half versus seven and a half? Eight, such an unimportant number. Your asymmetric risk, as you like to say. Exactly. And that's an interesting point too is, but that's the thing. The line doesn't go up. If some, if if Darnold plays, the line goes down. If Darnold doesn't play, it doesn't go up to eight or eight and a half. It goes up to what? 14. Oh yeah, it probably it's skyrocket. I you know I'll say right now I think it's priced that he's going to play. I, it's priced. It's priced. He's most likely. Well, I think it's ninety. My pure power ranks has this at seven and a half. So I think it's being priced right now like he's going to play. Well, then you have to play Ohio State then, because if eighty percent of the time yeah. you got a coin flip, and twenty percent of the time you've got a great bet, it's a pretty good bet. That's a great point. I didn't think of that. Well, so that's the question though, right? Is is what is the chance, you know, the likelihood of him playing? Yeah, I think it's a totally different situation than Rosen, who was banged up already at the end of the season playing a non-big bowl game, Kansas State, in the Cactus Bowl. You're playing the Ohio State in this one in a big-time atmosphere, the combo. I think that the motivations are different. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think Rosen's hitting the top five on all the projected drafts and Darnold, it's very unclear where he's going to go, right, RJ? Uh, you know, I'm not a draft expert, but from what I see, Darnold would, they're saying it'd be a debate between Darnold and Rosen for number one. Really? I don't I, think it's I, even possible. Well. That, I don't even think it's possible he'd be out of the top five. Okay. And I mean, I would make a major bet he'd be in the top two. I, I just saw that Rosen was, I thought had clearly passed him was why I asked. Maybe, but you don't not come out because you're going to be number. Right. If anything, that's why you come out. Get out. Of, get away from Cleveland. Get away from yeah. the Browns. <laughs> All right. Double like here from Brad and Ken. And Ken is factor. He likes USC too. Is And he, he said, can Darnold mix up play calling to keep solid Buckeye D line off balance? Was his big question on the game. Double like USC. Next game. There's a team playing their first bowl game in 60 years, 60 years, New Mexico, Utah state and New Mexico state. That is and Utah state and it's Utah state favored by four. So Brad, give us a little history on 60 years. Yeah. uh, New Mexico state longest bowl drought in college football. I wouldn't say history, but I guess there's some teams that have never been to bowls and that, but I mean, the longest drought prior to this year, remarkable last time they played in the bowl game was the 1960 sun bowl and it was against Utah state. So uh, obviously none of us in this room uh, were alive. The last time New Mexico state was playing in a bowl game. You know, you would think with Fez's wisdom, maybe, but then you look at that, that thick hair and you, you wonder if, you know, is he in his thirties? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, hair wise. Then you hear him talk pop culture and you wonder if he's in his (laughs) seventies. I mean, it's very confusing and miraculously, (laughs) My gray hair has disappeared seemingly overnight. Well, listen, when you're, when, 
<laughs> he's not just the owner of the company. He's a client too. Oh, wait. All right. Fez, who do you lean? Or you actually like this game. I like Utah State. I got to tell you, I had an epiphany driving over here. Virginia just got absolutely annihilated against Navy. This was their first bowl game since 2011. UAB, they didn't even have top-tier football for years. They hadn't been to a bowl game in forever. Hey, they were super motivated, but they also, I think, had a really good week during bowl week as a reward. I think Virginia had a reward. Those teams weren't supposed to go bowling. New Mexico State absolutely wasn't supposed to go bowling. These teams are excited to be in the bowl, but the prep time, if your coach has a heart, and you're not supposed to do anything, and you get to a bowl game, that is a reward trip for Utah State, a team that just saved their coach's job who was on the hot seats. They're used to going bowling. I think there's a major preparation edge. Brad, you actually lean the same way. Yeah, I lean with Utah State, and I think he's got the correct handicap. We've seen teams that are just happy to be there. UAB got blown out. Virginia gets blown out. New Mexico State, I don't have any data points on how not only the coach, who's never been in a uh, been a head co- he's been a head coach for nearly a decade never been a head coach uh, with a preparation standpoint meanwhile i got players i got coaches for utah state six bowl game in the last seven years i think they handle the, bo- the extra bowl festivities because there's a lot of distractions whenever you go to a bowl game they handle it this is a business trip for them pleasure trip from new mexico state i like utah state and took out the rubber band on this one as well all right he bet it baby so but wait a minute you only got a lean so yeah, i bet it a- an early number got yeah. an early rogue number no 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 problem um and it is up to four now. Okay. Ken Thompson likes the over in this game, over 62 and a half. And any opinion on the total? Mm, uh, the worry that I do have, and here's why at the current number, Utah State is a lean and not a like, is I worry their pass defense has struggled against some of the better passing offenses they faced. And New Mexico State, believe it or not, their quarterback, Tyler Rogers, a name to remember, second in the nation in passing yards per game only behind Rudolph from Oklahoma State, averages nearly 350 yards per game. And I met with my math guys on this one. They only made it 59. They're usually spot on on line moves. So if you like the over, I would wait. A big part of that is Utah State very much of an under team. Okay, hitting the home stretch here last few games. First, though, let's talk about your bonus coupon. We had a great week last week, and every time we do, we want to thank you guys what difference do you make? One is all the feedback on Twitter just helps us energize, you know, us get energized, I guess is the way to say it. And also it spreads the word and it only makes sense. If you love this podcast, if you think it's valuable, it's free, right? So if you have followers, you want to provide value too. why not tell them if you tell someone about a free product that offers value, you are providing them with value. So the retweets, uh, telling friends, uh, Facebook posts, all the stuff you guys do has helped both the NFL dream preview and the college dream preview grow. And every week that we have an up week, we like to thank you. And here's the coupon 12 bucks off. Now here's the thing has to be by Saturday. So you have Friday and Saturday to use this coupon. All you do is go to pregame.com, click buy picks and select any of the picks one or more and then put the coupon CFB dream 12 all caps all one word CFB dream the number one the number two CFB dream 12 put it in in the shopping cart 12 bucks off 
So in a lot of these packages, it's literally paying half price for the late telephone. Very best bets from Brad, from Ken, from Fez, from any of the pregame pros. CFB Dream 12. Use it on Friday or Saturday. And oh, by the way, guys, another way you can help is going to iTunes and giving us a nice rating, five star. We've got a five hundreds and hundreds of ratings. We've got a five star, but more of those ratings helps us more. And if you want to write a real quick, um, I guess with your rating, you can do a review. Fez, you read those reviews. We talked about it during the NFL Dream Preview this week, and it's really a way to you know thank Fez, per- Fez personally. I read the reviews also. Brad, I don't think he's, he doesn't have time. He's watching spring games nah. for next year already. He's streaming stuff. <laughs> CFB Dream 12, thanks a lot. All right, Kentucky, Northwestern. We got Northwestern favored by seven and a half. And we've got a team here with seven straight covers. Am I reading that right? Yeah, seven straight. The longest streak entering bowl Who's season. This? And that'd be Northwestern. Therefore, I think they're overpriced entering this game because what does the public like to bet? Hey, a team that's been covering the spread each of the last seven games. I think they're overpriced, and here's why. Some of those spread covers happened in overtime. In fact, Northwestern became the first team in college football history to win three straight overtime games, three consecutive weeks. Any play goes different there. And obviously, we're catching some value here. They could be laying six instead of seven and a half. That's why I lean towards Kentucky. Although, here's why it's not a like in Kentucky. Kentucky's also a team I'd like to fade. Here's a team that got got outgained by every single FBS opponent this year, except one, minus 75 yards per game on the season. Really, I'm disappointed these two teams are playing one another. I wanted to fade both, but I think Northwestern's the more overpriced team. Okay, so you have a lean on Kentucky. I lean to Kentucky as well. I got to tell you, I'm worried about the fundamental matchup. Kentucky runs the ball 60% of the time, and Northwestern is a top 10 defense stuffing the run, giving up just over three yards per carry. But regardless, I got to question Northwestern's motivation. I'm nine and three. I won seven straight games. Everyone else gets to go to Hawaii. They get to go down to Florida, and I got to go to Tennessee. I am not excited about this bowl game. And that's a great point because they've been a good bowl team under Pat Fitzgerald. They're five and two against the spread, but this is the first time they've been a favorite and not only a favorite, obviously laying more than a touchdown. I do question the motivation because normally they're playing the disrespected underdog bowl, underdog role in these bowl games. I tell you, when you listen to Brad, it's one thing to have your couple of points, but then when he's able to counterpunch seemingly any comment and augment it with more information or corrections, really strong stuff. You know, I'd make the strong case that throughout the season, Ken and Brad's depth and Fez reading the market really only in dreams, I think is fair to say can pass this game though. So we've got two leans on Kentucky, two games to go. NC State, Arizona State, NC State favored by seven. Ken actually likes Arizona State. Brad, you lean that way. Yeah, I lean with Arizona State. I think they're going to play hard. It's the final game for their head coach, Todd Graham, who my opinion is going to be and go down as probably the worst firing in the last 10 years of college football. Here's a team, Arizona State. Season win total was five. They won seven games. In fact, they were only favored in four of their games this year. Win seven, four outright upsets for them. Beat their rival outright upset in the final game. They still decided to fire him. He's going to stay on coach this game. 
I think they're excited to send him out a winner here. Big motivational edge for Arizona State. And I'm questioning the motivation for NC State. Why? Because their best player, Bradley Chubb, who's probably going to be the first defensive player taken in the draft, by all accounts, is going to sit this game out. And I think him being on a less talented NC State team, he's probably that one defensive player out there in the country that's worth a half point, maybe in a point to his team, not being properly priced here. Lean with Arizona State. Now, does Chubb have any relations with Peter or the Gamecocks? <laughs> You've been waiting for that. I like that. That's <laughs> wow. I'm just, I mean, you're yeah. the expert. No relation. All right. All right. Okay. Fez, who do you lean to in this game? I lean to Arizona State. And I, it's all about winning one for Todd Graham. I don't have much on this game. I will say the game being in El Paso in West Texas, I think does favor the Arizona State team. I think they'll have more of a sparse crowd there, then I can't see someone from North Carolina State being excited to go this bowl. And the Pac-12 has taken advantage of playing those East Coast ACC teams. They've won the four, four straight of these Sun Bowls. Last game, Texas A&M, Wake Forest. Before we get to this one, let me make it clear. We are going to do an entire dream preview on the championship game. It will be released as usual next Wednesday. So dream preview every week comes out on overnight Tuesday, Wednesday, early, early, early. And we'll have a nice couple of days run up to take advantage of all the info. We'll be talking some props and all kind of different things in the game. This last one this week, A&M wake Forest. wake Forest favored by three. And it seems like there's a significant coaching factor in this game. Brad, this is the game you passed. Give me a sense of the coaching factor first. Well, it's been a negative to have an interim coach in Texas A&M has an interim coach in Jeff Banks, who was a special teams coach for them. And why do I say it's been a negative? Let's just use this year. Oregon loses a game by double digits as a favorite. SMU loses a game by 41 points as a favorite. UCLA gets blown out against Kansas State. The only team that's played well is Florida State with an interim coach this year. So more often than not, interim coach is a negative. And that's why I would want to lean with Lake Wake Forest. But the reason I'm passing is, man, Wake Forest favored by a field goal over an SEC team. I think there's a big talent disparity as far as these two teams go. And that's why I just can't lay the field goal. All right, guys, you've seen him strutting his stuff. Brad Powers on Twitter, at Brad Powers 7. Or you can follow me on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. And if you have to choose between us, I think I'm the better follow, but I think follow both of us. Ideally, Fez is at Fezic Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K, at Fezic Sports. I think they're tied for second, so it'd be at RJ in Vegas first, <laughs> and then those two, Brad Power 7 and Fezic Sports, tied for second. Fez, lean or like in this game? I'm going to lean to A&M. I don't like it because of the coaching change, but I do lean to them because of the quarterback change. A&M had a horrible quarterback in Mond. Then they replaced him with a freshman, Starkle. And frankly, Starkle has some sparkling stats compared to Mond, specifically yards per pass. Uh, Mond was at five yards per pass. Starkle is at nine. There's been a huge upgrade in the A&M offense. And that is a positive. Starkle was supposed to be the starter, got injured in the first game against UCLA, a game that they blew that 34-point lead. So great handicap there. Great stuff from the boys. We got the NFL Week 17 up. We'll be going again, like we said, college next week. And then NFL, obviously, through the playoffs. And we have a couple of different shows we'll be doing once the college is over, including some Vegas interviews 
And the first interview we did was about two hours, me and Oscar Goodman one-on-one. That's going to be coming up here within a week or two on our feed. If you don't fo- haven't followed us yet, don't miss anything. If it's on iTunes or whatever system you use, just subscribe and you get all of these shows when they come out immediately. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. 2017 was a great year for us here at Podcast One, and we hope it was a great year for you. We launched new shows with Caitlin Bristow, Jim Harbaugh, and Randy Jackson. We've had some amazing guests stop by some of our shows, like Brian Cranston on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Juliet Louis-Dreyfus on All of the Above with Norman Lear. And Jason Bateman on Spike's Car Radio with Spike Ferriston. We are looking forward to a bright 2018 with new shows coming online, like MySpace Tom Anderson. And we are welcoming back Dennis Miller to the podcast scene. This is Heather Dubrow. Happy holidays. Cheers. I'm Caitlin and I want to wish you happy holidays. Hey guys, it's Kelsey Knight from the Lady Gang. Happy holidays. We'll see you in the new year. From all of us here at Podcast One, we want to wish you a very happy holiday and a happy new year.